back to Plastic Battles Radio. This is episode four. On the show tonight, I'm honored to be joined by the man behind Backyard Battles on Instagram and Twitter, Jason Royalty. When I first was exploring the idea of posting my own photos to the gram, Backyard Battles was the very first G.I. Joe-themed account that I discovered. You could say Jason pushed me over the edge in inspiring me to post my own Joe photos online. Jason, thanks so much for joining me. Super stoked to have you on. Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's, it's definitely an honor for you to even ask me to join, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, for sure, man. You're one of my favorite toy photographers. I know it's something I've said on all these podcasts, but it's true. I want to interview my favorites. Uh, so having said that, let's jump right in. Um, let's start with a little bit about your background. What is your first memory of collecting toys? Uh, gosh, it goes all the way back to He-Man, uh, Masters of the Universe. That's definitely the first toy line that I extensively was into that I remember. So all of my earliest memories are from that. So uh, yeah, I was really into the cartoon, and I just remember seeing, you'd see a new character on that afternoon's episode, and I just immediately wanted to go to the store and, and pick up the figure like that day. Um, I think that's that's when I learned a little bit about how the world works. Like, oh, it might not be there yet. Or uh, I remember in particular, there, the first time Stratos, if you remember Stratos. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, the first episode he was on. I don't remember why. I just remember thinking, oh, he's so cool. Like, you know, bugging my mom. Like, well, let's go get him, you know. Let's get the car. Let's <laughs> go get him now. I remember it probably took months uh, for me to find Stratos. But that's where the love of, really wanting all of the collection i think came from um i was really into the cartoon and i remember playing with my friends and cousins and i don't know it's kind of a social thing and also something you could do on your own when you didn't have friends over uh get your toys out and you know have big battles or whatever and that led into of course gi joe um, which is my favorite of all time obviously that that's why you know, you follow me for a while. There's lots of different toys that I show on my page, uh, but G.I. Joe is a mainstay. It never goes away. Yeah, what was uh, your fa- your first Joe uh, toy? Do you remember that? Oh, gosh, I don't remember my first. That's one of those things that kind of bothers me. A lot of people know that. <laughs> Even though G.I. Joe is my favorite, for some reason, I think a lot of my memories that really hold on are from like, He-Man or... Um, I just remember G.I. Joe always being there. Um, yeah, interesting, remember, interesting. Yeah, no, I do remember um, one of the early ones I got was probably Flint. Uh, Flint was always my favorite. Um, I was born in 80, so that would have been what, like 85? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, well, yeah, I'm like five years old. Um, so I, I didn't get the very early. Um, I know the, the hardcore guys that were there from the <laughs> beginning talk about straight arms. Like, I never owned a straight arm. Um, you weren't you weren't missing I, much, you know, with the straight arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I do have the mods, I'm so excited to get them and you take them to do what we do, you know, take pictures. And it's like, oh, I can't do anything 
this figure. Like, it all looks so unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) But the only uh, guy I've seen shoot straight arms uh, figures in a way that they don't look like they're straight arm figures is uh, Attica Gazette, Ian. Mm -hmm. He, um, He shoots them in a way that makes them look really cool and uh, really articulated when they're actually missing some articulation, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, he, he, he's definitely one of my favorite accounts. Um, there's there's so many now um, accounts that really I love and inspire me. That's definitely one of, probably definitely the top 10 for me. I kind of touched on this before. Um, back when I was kind of to looking around to see on Instagram, if there was uh, any G.I. Joe toy photography on there when I was kind of toying with the idea of doing my own. Um, I saw lots of Star Wars. I saw lots of Marvel DC. And I came across your account. And and um, I searched for G.I. Joe. And yours was pretty much the only account, with the exception of maybe a couple others, that I found on Instagram. And that was, what, like three years ago? So it would have been 2015-ish? Yeah, around, yeah. That's when I started. I started, I think, on Instagram around August of that year. And I would say, yeah, I would say I probably, I started out on Twitter. Um, As you know, there's not a lot of the toy photography going on on Twitter. Right. Um, That's what pointed me to Instagram. People kept telling me, like, oh, dude, you've got to get on Instagram. Like, there are actually people doing doing this on Instagram. yeah, I've been doing this since like 2014, probably seriously. Okay. Then, uh, what first got you into the idea of taking photos of your toys? I mean, is it something that you had thought some time about? Have you seen some photos and thought you could do that yourself, or was it something that was more of a spur of the moment decision? Um, you know, it's I knew about it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with joeaday.com. Yeah, um, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a website. When I was first getting into the collecting as an adult, that's where I would go to refresh my memory about certain figures as far as what came with them or whatever. And sometimes there would be toy photography on there. Um, that really inspired me. And I had a, a friend locally that would kind of do this kind of thing. Um not daily or it's just something he had done before. So I knew that, it, you know, it was an idea that sounded appealing to me. And once I started my collection, they were just kind of sitting under the bed. So I just one day, one probably Sunday, I was bored. I thought, oh, I'm going to take my Joe's outside and grab my wife's camera and, and, and see what I can do with them. And it was just so much fun. Um, I think I fell in love with it the first day I did it, and I've never stopped. Nice, nice. Well, um, you mentioned that you borrowed your wife's camera. Is she a photographer? What kind of uh, camera was it that uh, you kind of borrowed from her? Uh, Yeah, well, my sister actually recommended this camera to us, and it's the same camera now. It's just a Rebel T1i. I've got it here in my hand, actually. Um, Yeah, my sister, she, uh, not as a full-time job, but on the side, she would do, like, senior portraits for kids in town. Uh, wedding stuff like that so, uh, when we had kids of our own started having kids my wife was taking pictures and documenting the family stuff so she wanted to get a good camera and this is the one that my sister uh you know suggested that we get and i've never never upgraded uh, it's probably time not not because of the quality of the pics just i've used it so much it's, it's on its last leg 
uh, starting to not perform the best. But I love it, man. Is there is there a go-to lens that you use for most of your photography, or do you have kind of like a set number of lenses? Um, I've only ever used two. I've got the, just the zoom kit that came with it and a 50 millimeter, which is what I use the most now. Nice. Um, I would say, for, yeah, I would say for the first year doing this, I didn't even use the 50. I didn't like it because um, mm-hmm. at the time, I really liked getting in close on the figure. Um, as close as possible, actually, to try to make it look real realistic. And I think, too, when you're starting out, that's good because you haven't really mastered how to make the background and the surrounding areas look like they fit with the toy. Right. Um, so as yeah. I got a little bit as I got a little bit better with that, um, that's when I got more into the 50 and trying mm-hmm. to actually do more portrait where you see a location. Um, to me, that now is as fun as shooting the, the actual figure. Yeah, I think uh, setting them up is half the f- well. It's half the battle, right? Yeah. Um, it's you know I had a similar route where I started with a kit lens. It was a zoom lens uh, for my old 40D, and I upgraded in my mind uh, to a 50 millimeter fixed focal length. I think it's the same one that you have, from what I can see. It's the Canon. 1.8 STM uh, lens, yeah, right? So it's uh, it's one of my favorite lenses. I've gotten a few since, but um, it still holds up uh, as one of my go-to lenses to this day. All right, well, let's roll on to the next question I have, which is basically describe your creative process as best you can, maybe from ideation or inspiration, you know, the initial idea, all the yeah. way through to execution on Instagram, um, you know, what your process looks like for finding a location to shoot or how you edit the photos, anything that you'd find maybe interesting or that you'd like to share about your process. Yeah, so uh, I guess inspiration has changed since I started. Uh, when I first started, I think it was just more to document my collection, especially mm-hmm. G.I. Joe. Um, I even think early on, I would sit down and be like, okay, let's shoot the 83 through 84 figures this weekend. And I would just go out in a corner of my yard. And that was my goal. Um, after doing enough of that, it, it eventually got kind of boring. So that's when I started trying to look at this too more because of other people on Instagram, more it used to feel more pompous than it does to me now, but I try to look at it more like art now. Um, I try to say something with my picture or, you know, like depending on my mood, I try, I try to capture my mood sometimes, or sometimes I'll just get an idea driving home from work in the car. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. I love music. I get a lot of inspiration from music. Right. I have a song or a lyric bouncing around in my head and then eventually always kind of attached to it i guess because i'm always thinking about the two Uh, i'm always thinking about toys and toy photography and i love music i think about that a lot too and they just always have seemed to connect for me so uh i don't know i'll I'll go through a week or two of listening to like a johnny cash album i like or whatever and i'll start getting not just one like five or six ideas um sometimes joe shot sometimes batman star wars whatever and then Nowadays, I try to be true to whatever 
idea I had listening to the song. Um, I try to recreate what I'm seeing in my head, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I got going with indoor photography. You've got a little bit more control over lighting, and you can make dioramas, uh, different settings like that. Um, yeah, and I noticed that you used to shoot exclusively outdoors, but you've lately kind of shifted to shooting a lot of indoor photography and and uh, shooting in impressive dioramas you've built. Talk a little bit about the challenges of adjusting from shooting outdoors to shooting indoors. Um, well, first, I think anyone listening starting out as a photographer, I highly recommend starting outside um, because I knew nothing about lighting, nothing about photography, and just being outside is easier. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, as far as I agree 100% with that. Yeah, and it's perfect. See, this is only true for G.I. Joe, I think. Outside's perfect. Yeah. Um, there is it's only true for G.I. Joe you can't take Batman out in the corner of your yard and him not look out of place like why is Batman out in the jungle or (laughs) I mean why why is that why are the Ninja Turtles hanging out in the country you know what I mean like they need city Uh, Star Wars needs something like space walls uh, some kind of futuristic look G.I. Joe's look perfect outside Um, You know, that's super interesting because um, when you say it, I'm thinking, yes, I agree. But I've never thought about it in the context of, like, for example, yes, I know G.I. Joe's look great outside. But like you had said, take another toy line like Batman or something else and put that same toy in the same location that Joe's were. And now that toy looks completely out of place. Yeah, exactly. Um, And... Like I said, you know, I started out only doing G.I. Joe, and I wasn't that good, so I loved outside. I thought it was perfect for my skill level and the toys I was shooting. And as I got more comfortable with the G.I. Joes and uh, learning more about ISO settings, aperture, all those different things, being outside, it gives you more freedom to come inside and feel like I can tackle this now. Uh, Because it was always from the very beginning posting on Instagram, that was kind of how I separated myself from what I consider really good photographers. Because I look at their pictures and I'm like, oh man, they just, they made a world. And you can look at it and know this was indoors. So they set all of this up, lighting's perfect. And it was always really intimidating for me. Um, So it took me a long time to feel like I could even attempt it. And I still don't think I'm great at it. but I really enjoy the challenge now, and I like the freedom, too. Um, it's weird that it can be challenging and freeing at the same time, but but it is. It, it really is. It definitely is. I mean, at its simplest form, photography is just yeah. capturing light. Lighting is photography. But, you know, lighting can be challenging, um, very challenging indoors. But on the flip side... You have complete control over that light, whereas outdoors, you do not. While you're outdoors, you're at the mercy of the sun moving, the um, clouds coming and going. Uh, You set up your shot to a certain lighting condition. The lighting condition changes. You need to change your settings. By the time you change your settings, the lighting could change back. Um, 
You know, the the light's perfect. You by the time you set everything up, all the figures, the light the sun moved. So now the lighting isn't what you thought. Or there's wind, and the wind comes in and of course blows all your figures down. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. You mentioning the stuff about side. See, that's it's so true. Um starting out man, so many times because when I first started out only doing G.I. Joe, I would set up big scenes, you know, like you got 20, 30 figures to set up, a tank, whatever. And by the time you get it set up, either it starts raining <laughs> or like you said, the sun's moved and all of a sudden everything's overexposed. It looks terrible. Um, yeah, there's just so many things I learned the hard way shooting outside, like yeah. yeah, I I found myself uh, in many situations feeling rushed or feeling anxiety while shooting uh, O-ring GI Joes outside. You know, vintage GI Joes that are thirty, f- almost forty years old. Guys like um, Snowjob or Storm Shadow or even Shipwreck uh, figures that are known to discolor. Uh, in direct sunlight over periods of time. So the longer I have the figure set up in the sun and I'm trying to get the shot, the more anxiety is building inside me. Sure. Yeah, I remember shooting outside in particular, too. When I first started out, I at least always knew that you don't want your picture to be blurry. You want it to be clear. And because I wasn't good with exposure and ISOs and all of those things yet, my answer for a really clear picture where you could see every detail was direct sunlight. And now I know that that's terrible. It's such a bad, like, it's so much easier to get a good picture, honestly, in the shade. Um, uh-huh. Maybe bounce a little light onto the figure, you know, here and there. But for the most part now, I do the opposite of what I did when I started outside. I go find a shaded area instead of a place in the sun. Right. And, oh, the inclination is to go outside and shoot on a nice sunny day. But technically, uh, cloudy days, uh, the clouds help diffuse the sunlight, which gives you a more even uh, light across your subject. Um, it's something where I've learned that, you know, through art directing in, in my career, uh, working with photographers. However, right. there's something to be said for shooting in direct sunlight if that's the mood you're going for. Because those high contrast, you know, from light to dark that you get with the shadows and direct sunlight create um, a very dramatic look. And someone who excels at that is Attica Gazette on Instagram. His shots, many of them, are shot in direct sunlight. But that direct sunlight gives his photography such a dramatic feel uh, that it gives him his own style, really. And for anyone that hasn't checked out Attica Gazette on Instagram, I highly suggest that you do. So, Jason, do you find yourself revisiting certain themes in your photography from time to time? You mentioned your moods help inform your photographs and and your uh, the music you might be listening to at the time. But do you find yourself coming back to a certain kind of theme over and over again? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll go through periods of time where uh, maybe if I try something for the first time and it's fun for me, like... Uh, shooting with very little light plus dark outside when i first did that um i fell in love with it the challenges and stuff and i will occasionally go back to that and it'll be kind of a mood kind of like with music because for music i listen to tons of different things so like i will just go on a kick gosh i'll go on a kick where i listen to nothing but like 80s pop for like three weeks and then i'll (laughs) go from that to like 
grunge or whatever. And I do that with my photography too. Um, I'll go through a mood where I only want to shoot practical effects outside, smoke bombs and, and sparklers and that sort of thing. And then I'll go through moods where, and this is usually dictated by if I made a new diorama and inside, obviously it's like I make an ice diorama. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got to get out anything I have that's cold weather related. Then I'll end up shooting all of my, you know, snow job type figures for two weeks straight. So, yeah, it definitely goes in cycles for me. No, I hear that. I, I think a lot of us work, at least I do, in that cyclical nature. Um, it just seems to make sense. Okay, so one thing I definitely wanted to touch on here with you is your involvement with the G.I. Joe Nation Instagram account. For those who aren't familiar, it is the number one force, really, on Instagram for promoting G.I. Joe photographers. And I know... Jason, you're an admin. And Steve, Action Figure Photos, is also an admin. We discussed that when he was on the show. So I guess give me a little background on how you got involved and what it's all about. Yeah, so, you know, I'm honestly not sure how long I've been involved. I, I'm not, uh, I'm sure you know the founder, uh, Pete, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He, he's got a couple different handles. Um, I think now uh, it's a G.I. Joe Infantry Division. Yes, but, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he's using now. But he also, I think when I met him, he was Monster Peep Show, which has made a yeah. comeback here yeah, recently. <laughs> yeah, so he, he does all of the heavy lifting. Um, I think he admins and runs the site five days a week, and I, I do the other two. Okay. Um, yeah, I just reached out one day and asked to be involved, because like you said, there, there was no one else celebrating G.I. Joe photography, and by the time GI Joe Nation came around, there were starting to be a good community. Um, there's always been GI Joe on Instagram, but I think I met a lot of people immediately that were GI Joe fans, but not photographers too. Um, I think there's there's probably just off the top of my head, definitely 20, 30 guys that consistently do this now just for GI Joe. So. Mm-hmm. I want to see it keep growing because um, there's so much Marvel Legends, Star Wars, and I love those things. I, I shoot and share that kind of work, but I love variety. Um, yeah, and I've seen um, from you of late uh, definitely more variety um, than in your past, but you, you still have G.I. Joe as kind of your number one. Yeah, so I want to encourage people um, – to feel like there's a point in shooting G.I. Joe. What I mean by that outside of I'm just doing it because I like G.I. Joe. Um, I think, I think people need to, you need to share what you like, but I also think you need to try to find your own thing or find maybe an area that is underrepresented like G.I. Joe to me still is, even though there's 20 or 30 of us, I think there should be more. I agree. I mean, think about how many Stormtrooper accounts are out there. A hundred times that or more. I think there's like a thousand accounts, right? That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's great, but I think definitely room for more G.I. Joe. Yeah, and they're harder to tell apart. Um, I think one thing that's cool about G.I. Joe is even though there's maybe 20 or 30, 40, whatever, um, consistent people now, I can always tell the accounts apart by looking at the pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Everybody's on style. Everybody's got their favorite. Because, like you said, stormtroopers are just 
masked guys. I mean, it's faceless. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems like everybody's got their favorite GI Joe, and they might feature that figure more. Or you can just easily glance at so many accounts now and know who it is. Right. Uh, who is your favorite GI Joe, Jason? Uh, definitely my favorite GI Joe is Flint. He was the first, um, I guess, leader figure that I had as a kid. I didn't have Duke. So he was always the leader. And, and you know, when you're a kid, the leader's the coolest guy. I mean, generally. <laughs> yeah, generally. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like Flint because he, even though he was kind of telling people what to do, he was right there with them, you know, leading by example, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. I just always liked the figure, um, and that led me probably to like the, the character um, on the cartoon and in the comics more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely Flint. Uh, close, close second, third, almost to A and 2B for me is Bazooka and Alpine. Oh, I interesting. Yeah, I love those two together. Um, to me, that is G.I. Joe in a lot of ways. I think it's funny how in the cartoon, those two were really like the comedy relief of the show in a lot of ways. Yeah. I love with G.I. Joe that even in the 80s, at its peak, there was two separate universes going on uh, with Joe. You had the cartoon... And the comic book, which were very different. And in the comic book, I can't think of I can't think of one real story arc with Alpine and Bazooka, whereas in the cartoon they were like mainstays. Yeah. Yeah, there's such a stark contrast between the two properties, you're right. Um I've rewatched the tune countless times as a grown up and I've reread the old comics and it's even more apparent now. It's Honestly, it's amazing to me what the comic got away with mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Very serious, very serious subject matter. Yeah, Larry Hama obviously drew on his experience as a, a Vietnam veteran. You know, he was writing G.I. Joe, and later in the 80s, he was writing The Nam as well, which obviously um, is heavier subject yeah. matter. And he really you know, delved into and explored some dark psychological adult concepts inside of those books, you know, things that real people like my father had gone through, you know, without hitting you over the head with it also. You know, and reading this as a kid, I learned so much of my vocabulary from the G.I. Joe comic book. Absolutely. Yeah, and the file cards too. Oh, yeah. The action figure box. Man, those are all so well written. Like I still love sharing those because they're they're works of art in their own. You know, I mean, I do know, yeah. The way yeah. those packages work, if if you had never seen the cartoon or read the comic, you could read that that file card and know how to play with that toy. That mm-hmm. makes sense. In your pretend world, if you got Firefly, you know, oh, okay. He's a saboteur. He blows things up. He's a sneaky guy. Like I love that just in a couple paragraphs, they could explain the character and what the character should be like. Yeah, and and the genius behind not only giving a character on the file card a primary military specialty, but also a secondary military specialty. For example, let's take Airborne. His primary military specialty is Airborne Infantryman. But his secondary military specialty is helicopter gunship gunner. So 
I buy, or my parents buy me, uh, a Dragonfly helicopter. I've got Wild Bill piloting it, but there's a second seat. And that which gives uh, me a way to play with yeah. the uh, Dragonfly and put Airborne, making sense, into the second seat as the gunner for the helicopter. I thought that that's marketing genius, you know, um, giving the characters so much personality and so many different traits that you can use them in very specific situations in your play patterns that make sense. And tying things together is really helpful for a young child's brain, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think G.I. Joe, the action figures, I think they trailblaze in a couple of different areas. I think I think they went from setting the bar to being reactionary at some point. Because um, I think they were at their best when they were changing the rules on articulation, um, the amount of accessories that came with the figure. Right. And I think they, I think they eventually, this probably to me is their downfall. Uh, I think they started trying to copy other things. Yep, you're right. Um, like, oh, the Ninja Turtles are out and they're vibrant colors and neon and let's do that because that's what kids like now. The neon colors were yeah. so big. And it's like, no, you forgot what you were doing. You know? It's- yeah. You know, on a couple different occasions at Joe Cons, I heard Kirk Bazigian argue those same points. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Toxic Avenger were out, and that's what kids were into. So they were neon, so the Joes took on neon colors. He also said at one point that they had got wind that Star Wars was coming back, that that was in production for the prequel movies. So they came out with Star Brigade uh, in order to get ahead of the whole space phenomenon, right? But the argument could be made that if that was the case... When G.I. Joe came back in 82, Star Wars was on top of the world. Why didn't they have spaceships then? Because they were leading with their theme. You know, this is who we are. We're going to stay true to it. And we're going to lead and others will follow us. And I think what might have happened was they saw some sort of sales dip in the late 80s and panicked and started looking more at their competition than themselves. Yeah, and what you're saying also kind of reminds me of masters of the universe because they had nothing they just had the toy and they made the little mini comics and then the cartoon came later but it started as just a toy i mean yeah. so it's like be good at what you're good at right and don't yeah. don't worry about what everybody else is doing if you make good toys people will buy them you know i i think it's a tired sports cliche but i think it holds true uh you worry about your own team your own plan and executing that and less about what the other team is doing. Exactly. All right, so let me ask you this, Jason. If someone were to approach you and out of the blue and ask you what G.I. Joe is a brand, what it means to you, if you could boil that down to a simple answer, what what would it be? Um, I think number one for me is it just it brings back a great time in my life. You know, being a kid, um, those impressionable years. Um, I think I learned a lot from it. I think I think that's where I learned. I mean, yeah, like the bad guys can look cool sometimes and whatever. <laughs> I'm a good guy, you know. Cobra like, Cobra looks cool a lot of the time, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, uh, they do. Um, I think 
I think G.I. Joe taught me a lot. I don't think I knew it at the time. I, I'm sure I didn't know. Um, but I think it taught me a lot about equality or mm. mm-hmm. responsibility, leadership, um, roles. You know, everybody's got their role. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that's why a lot of people stick with it. I, I think it's like you meet all of these different people that are in a G.I. Joe, and I think a lot of us are very different. Um, but you, if you got a lot of your core values at the same time from the same place, I think it makes it easier to get along, um, even as an adult. Like I've met people out on the West Coast that I don't, I don't think I ever would have met or maybe even gotten along with. But because of GI Joe being that bridge into getting to know them, we're really good friends now. Right on. That's yeah, you're right on. I mean, I met so many people at JoeCon the last few years that I had, I had never gone until a few years ago. All different backgrounds, you know, all different cultures and um, senses of humor, but we all got along, and uh, because we had that we had that key core linchpin between us all, which was GI Joe. I was gonna say that that's kind of how I feel about the community now on Instagram. Like we're all from different places, um, not just America, like all over the world. And I don't think there's a lot of us. And I think GI Joe Nation helps shine light on this small group of people that that are up against, like you said, a million stormtrooper accounts. You know, 200 people only shooting Marvel Legends. Yeah, I think that's why we started doing the interviews. Uh, we're trying to get everyone joining together, knowing each other better. Um, you know, I'd like for more people to be on a first-name basis other than talking to each other as their handle on Instagram. Right. Um, I think it's important when you learn someone's background, at least for me at least, when I do those interviews, I immediately understand their pictures better. And yeah, it immediately... Easier for me to comment on their picture in a genuine manner. I don't like just saying dope shot, or um, I think you and Joe talked about that on your last podcast. Yeah, we did. And uh, I'm still guilty of that myself, especially I'd say the last year or so. It feels like things have been so busy um, lately that when I'm on Instagram checking things out, you know, I'm just yeah. jumping on and jumping off in between doing other things. You know, I might be running to the car or waiting waiting for the car to warm up and, and checking Instagram real quick to see if yeah. uh, hopefully I don't miss anything. But it doesn't leave me a lot of time to leave any kind of in-depth comments. But, it, you know, if I remember uh, right, Joe had really brought up the fact that he missed uh, the level of engagement he feels it used to be on uh, toy photography on Instagram, and maybe in the last year or two it's dropped off, and it was something he misses and would like to get back to. And I and I agree. I think that would be way better than just saying, you know, dope shot or whatever. Even if it is a dope, dope shot, maybe there's another way to say it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be more beneficial or start more of a discussion. Uh, I've done it here and there, but nowhere near what I feel like I, I could bring to Instagram, to the community of uh, – not just G.I. Joe photographers, but toy photographers in general. Um, so it's something that I'd like to focus on for 2019. And and as a community, we'll see if we can get a little more discussion, a little more engagement going on uh, in the comments on people's photos. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Um, I, I don't want those interviews. My hope is that it'll keep going as long as there's someone doing this. I hope we can keep doing it. I'm doing them once every two weeks. Yeah, and I love those interviews. I'm so happy that you're doing those. Um, now, was that something that was your idea? What's a little background on how you came to do the interviews? Uh, it was my idea. 
to do the Joe specific. I mean, there have been like top toy photos. Um, they they do uh, toy photographer interviews. Um, as much as I love theirs, I do. Um, theirs are good. Sometimes it feels a little cut and paste. Like they ask the same questions to every mm-hmm. photographer. Like I try when I write those, and this was where I guess it comes into being my idea. Like when I sit down and write those ten questions or whatever I send. I try to make it as specific to the person as possible um, to make it easier for them to tell their story. Like I'll scroll all the way back to their first picture. If I have time, I, I try to always make the time and, and ask questions specific, kind of like what you're doing with these podcasts. You don't just want to ask the same 10 questions every episode of your podcast because they're all going to start sounding the same. Right. Yeah. So and I, I brought that to the team and, and asked if I could do it. And of course they were all, all down for the idea. Um, I wish I could do them weekly, but it it's just not you know every once every two weeks is good for me. That gives time to send the questions off, give the person mm-hmm. time, think about it, give thoughtful answers, send it back, and then you've got to edit it, break it down to fit uh, into your Instagram posts. It's been a lot of fun. It's probably honestly something I look forward to as much as taking photos now. Yeah, it's great. And uh, you mentioned the top toy photos and stuff, and. And like I would read some of those other accounts, interviews, and be interesting from a photography standpoint. But um, there was never anybody who focused on GI Joe that was interviewed. So I was so happy to see you doing those for GI Joe Nation. Yeah, no, it's definitely an honor. And like I said, I hope it'll continue as long as we can keep it going. So there's been a lot of news out of Hasbro recently. Not all of it good, but one of them is. Um, a new Snake Eyes movie, which is in development. I guess they're moving ahead. They have a director, a location. It might be set in like the 70s or early 80s, kind of like a Bumblebee origin film. Um, and I kind of heard it's going to be kind of like a kung fu, you know, maybe ninja focused movie. Um, so it could be really cool and, and something to look forward to. That's exciting. Oh, man. Uh, that both makes me really excited. And a little worried. Um, because, I mean, I love Snake Eyes. I love Storm Shadow. I like ninjas. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the 80s. Right. You know? right. Um, but I don't want him to be like the Boba Fett of Star Wars either. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Recent. Yep. Um, I think maybe they're doing that because you've already got Ninja Turtles and there's karate ninja type things. It feels maybe a little safer than military. Mm-hmm as a, a selling standpoint especially the kids nowadays so i think it's got potential that the idea of the movie i just think they need to be careful not to turn gi joe into ninjas it needs right. to he can be there you know you can have snake eyes and, and storm shadow in that world but i hope that they don't ignore the military aspect of gi joe yeah i hear you you know when i got into gi joe it was definitely military focused but there was that there's like hint of sci-fi and a hint of like the ninja stuff and that's what made it so cool you know i've thought about this and i i'm sure of it that i didn't know what a ninja was until storm shadow came out and after storm shadow this ninja aspect of gi joe emerged but it was still secondary to the military stuff. It was a nice sub story yeah. that ran through, like a nice right. thread that ran through everything G.I. Joe afterwards. Just like the Dreadnoughts, you know, these punk looking mercenaries were another kind of subplot that ran through G.I. Joe. And that's why it's so awesome 
um, to be a G.I. Joe fan because you have all these different aspects. It's not just military. It's ninja. It's punk mercenaries, stuff like that. But they don't become the story. They're just spices of the overall recipe. You know, too much of that spice, you could ruin it. Yeah. So what I heard uh, is a possibility, and I'm not sure how true this is, but that's the Snake Eyes movie will be set in the 70s. Okay. And will have like a kung fu feel to it. You know, maybe like the Marvel movies are genre movies, like Ant-Man is a heist movie, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, if it's set in the 70s, maybe it starts in Vietnam, you know, that whole Vietnam story. And then, you know, kind of moves where uh, Snake Eyes travels to Japan with Tommy uh, to learn the ninja stuff with the Arashikage clan. So um, who knows, though? There's so many ways this could go. I'm just excited that we have the possibility of something new yeah. and hopefully better that kind of washes the taste out of our mouths from the last couple yeah. movies. Um, and then, of course, the toys, you know, uh, new uh, movie, new toys. I'm hoping that uh, the quality's good. The paint apps are good. They don't skimp on the articulation. Uh, so maybe maybe vehicles, you know, maybe characters, new characters. That would be awesome to get some new Joes. Uh, but we'll see. Okay, so how about this? If you, Jason Royalty, could travel to Hasbro, wherever that may be nowadays, and pitch them on a rebirth of G.I. Joe, any way you'd like it done, you know, whatever way, fun, serious, uh, ninja, not ninja, whatever. What would that pitch look like? Uh, do you mean like as a toy line or just as a brand? Hmm, could be either. Could be both. I think whatever your vision for the new Joe would be. So to me, uh, I'm more into the toys at this point because the movies, in my opinion, if the, the movies have been bad. Uh, just what, to be honest, I didn't. Like what them. do you mean? Everyone loves those movies. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's, it's always going to live or die by the toys. I mean, if I could go to Hasbro and try to get them excited about the brand again, I think they've got to, and I, I think they're kind of doing this, honestly, not just with G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Marvel Legends. Like, they they notice the toy photography community. I mean, they've got the Hasbro Pulse. Um, I think they're they're ahead of the curve a little bit on that. Uh, as far I mean, honestly, if I could tell them one thing, it would be if you get someone into toy photography at a young enough age, they're never going to stop buying toys. Never. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, with kids these days, uh, it's all about what's like on their screen or on their uh, technology device. So uh, it's kind of counterintuitive for guys like us who grew up with toys. We didn't need like a gateway into toys. We were already into toys. Right. You know, but now that kids have iPhones and, and things, if you could use that camera on that iPhone, pair it up with an app like Instagram, yeah. uh, that becomes now a gateway into, like, to do toy photography, you need toys. Yeah, um, I think if I if I was running the show at Hasbro, I mean, you're always going to want to market toys to kids. That's always going to be your bread and butter. Um, mm -hmm. But I think... I mean, gosh, how long have you been on Instagram? How much has it grown? How much has this hobby grown in a couple of years? Yeah, it's been like three years for me, and it and it feels like every year uh, the amount of accounts doubles. There's just so many accounts doing toy photography of all different. Yeah, so I think I think they need to water that garden. I, I really do. Um, 
I think they need to have more. I mean, gosh, I think it would be awesome. Look, if you're a kid and you want GI Joe, say GI Joe is back out. Um, you're gonna go buy a couple with your allowance. You're gonna spend five, ten bucks. Maybe you can get your parents to buy you more at Christmas. Adults have more disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're gonna buy more product. So I do think it makes sense, even though there's less of us. I think it makes sense to put more of a focus into it um, and try to promote toy photography and make toys that work with toy photography. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there maybe a collector doesn't like uh, articulation as much. They want it to sit there like a statue and, and not move. Well, we want articulation because we're right. trying to get crazy. Pieces. Um And that's that's central to G.I. Joe. I mean, G.I. Joe was the original articulated action figure, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think seeing how much cooler toys are now, I mean, with head swaps and, you know, like a toy will come with, uh, like I just got the the, the Archangel uh, X-Men. Have you seen that thing? It's got like three heads. No, I haven't seen it. I mean, they're just, they're coming with like two, three head sculpts now, like all these different hands. Like, if you've seen any of my DC collectible shots with the Batman animated series, like, mm-hmm. giving you so much option out of one figure. Um, those expression packs that they came out with, they've got Batman, Joker, and Harley. You buy one of those at $45, $50, and it's like having eight, nine figures because it comes with eight or nine heads. That's awesome, yeah. You know, you've got all these different expressions. It makes it easier to make a scene. Um, they're coming with accessories specific to certain episodes of the, of the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that's great. G.I. Joe needs to do that. I mean, that would be amazing. Hell yeah, man. I mean, I'd be all in for that. Sign me up. I know there's a lot of people yelling for like six-inch Joes. I mean, that would be awesome. I would love that. But I don't even think that's what I want. I just want, like I'm saying, like it, it could be 3.75-inch. As long as we're getting different head sculpts, you know, mm-hmm. um, Options, different. You know how toy toy companies are really big on using the same mold to save money, right? I feel like if you come out with the original eighty, you know, eighty two figures, there's so much you could do with that with that bulk, the body piece. I mean, three years later, you could make a grunt facial expression pack where all you had to do was sculpt and create the head sculpt. The five or six of those, we would buy that. You would buy that. I would buy and that. It would, <laughs> would immediately make that figure you bought new again. Right. Yeah, no, that's great, man. That's that's right on. I, I love it. If I was Hasbro, uh, you would have sold me. Unfortunately, I'm not. Maybe maybe some Hasbro employee will accidentally listen to this podcast thinking they were listening to something else, and they'll hear you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> G.I. Joe Snowcat holds 10 Joes and it's got a missile rack and torpedo skis. G.I. Joe! Cobra's on the run! Yo, Snow! G.I. Joe Snowcat, other Joe and Cobra figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. So, Jason, uh, for someone starting out in toy photography, you know, whether you're just a young young person or somebody our age, you know, old like us, if if they're just starting out, what kind of advice would you give them 
as far as, you know, getting started, you know, not just with photography itself, but um, their subject matter and maybe like finding yep. their own voice within the toy photography community? Yeah. Um, from a standpoint of actually creating the photo, I think, I think it's important to have an idea of what you want to be before you get too far down the road. Um, I think that's number one is not forgetting why you're doing it and what you're trying to, to share. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be a copycat, but you also want, you want to feel like you're adding to the, the hobby, giving it a, a new dimension. Like don't just show, shoot, oh, this looks cool. Like it would be cool if I had a picture with 50 cover troops running up a hill. That would be awesome, you know, um, <laughs> but I've seen it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's important. It's important to push yourself to try to be unique, be your own person. You know, what I think goes along with that is you got to learn your equipment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if all you have is phone, then don't don't try to, I guess, over over punt your coverage. Learn what <laughs> you can do with what you have. Um, I think, like we talked about, lighting is key. I think lighting is super important. Um, mm-hmm. Getting loaded around is huge. Uh, figures are so small, especially G.I. Joe. Right. Um, I hate bird's eye type stuff. Shots just make them look like toys. You got to get down dirt in your ear <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> you know, you got to try to get that hero shot. Um, that would be my big, uh, biggest advice as far as actually taking the pictures. Um, I think I've also got some advice just for social media now um, because this hobby has grown and changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I started out, I was too worried about being noticed for how many followers did I gain this week? Um, did boy artistry share my photo and say that it was great? Um, cause if that's what you're into, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. Um, especially now there's so many of us. Yeah. Um, you can go, gosh, you can go half a year and not get any, any, you know, any kind of significant increase in followers now or you know um i think i see people come in and they want that adulation and they don't get it and they quit i see that a lot yeah yeah especially Um, nowadays with the algorithm it's so hard to gain followers uh more than it used to be or even have your photos seen by the people that do follow you so i think i think it's more about doing something you love and getting some kind of uh, something yeah. back from it in a way that's more personal. You know, it's great to have people like your photos, and it's great to have people comment and follow you. Um, you know, yeah. commenting and starting discussions, those are great too. But really, you should be doing this because you love to do it. You're getting satisfaction from doing it, not from people liking it or people yeah. following you. Um, that Because... You know, think of how many accounts have a million followers, but their content is garbage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I go through periods where I am not active. Like, I'll take a month off, for example, or whatever on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I've done that a couple of times. I've never, during those times, stopped taking pictures because it gives me something. I mean, yeah, it's out for me. You know, it helps me relax. Uh, so I don't think I would be doing much different if there wasn't an Instagram, honestly. Like, I mean, maybe I wouldn't put out the amount of content I do because having a daily platform is nice. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm 
always at least once or twice a month go out and take toy pictures because it's fun. Yeah. But I mean, it's no different than there's probably plenty of artists out there that just like drawing. So we'll spend a Saturday night and draw 11 from stranger things or whatever, because it sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I don't know about you. Um, there are periods of time where I'm shooting multiple times a month, uh, posting as much as I can to Instagram and to my website or whatever. And then there are times like now uh, that I haven't posted much at all or or done any shoots in the last few weeks because I got to a point where I wasn't really happy where I was with the with the type of photos I was creating. And when I get to that point, I know I need to take a step back, yeah. take a break for a little bit, get my head straight, kind of get a feel for where I want to go, uh, wrap my head around how I get there, and then I can come back at it with the excitement I need to improve and get better, hopefully, uh, so that when I look at my photography over periods of time, I hope to see marked improvement from time period to time period. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've done the exact same thing with going on YouTube and any kind of photography can teach you about toy photography, like you said. Uh, when I first started shooting indoors, I remember probably spending two or three nights just watching videos about using different colored lights indoors. I mean, I think the people that really take this seriously are the ones that have the most fun at it because there's so many little just different things to consider and try. Yeah, so uh, speaking of that, What's next on your plate for Backyard Battles? Any uh, new challenges or new projects you got in the works? Um, I think I've kind of gotten in a bit of a groove as far as my pictures. Like, I've got three or four different brands I'm really into shooting. Um, I'm really digging the inside uh, shots. And I still always, you know, I love outdoor shooting. I want to get more out into the community and make rural connections and kind of spread the news about this hobby. Um, I'm excited about, I mean, I don't know if you'd have told me in high school that this would be what I'm doing for fun. <laughs> I would have and been like, I sound like a loser. Um, <laughs> it's strange, but I, so I never would have anticipated what I get out of it. I mean, I'm happy. I'm a happier person now. Um, because of this hobby that I've been in a long time. And I think it's just, it's a healthy, safe way to have fun. Um, yeah, I've said it probably a hundred times that there's just so many different hobbies that are worse than this one. Um, you could be drinking, you could be gambling. Uh, this is just an innocent, uh, fun way to be a kid again, really. Yeah, I think we're all that do this, I think, not all of it, the good ones. I think we're, we're chasing ghosts of our childhood in a happier time. Like, mm -hmm. I think what I see now with a lot of the newer photographers is because they make toys for everything now. You'll see somebody yeah. grab, uh, like, gosh, the Pennywise figure um, that Nika just put out. Dude, mm -hmm. I love Stephen King. I love scary movies. I love the original It. So sick of that new figure. <laughs> so I know that it's everywhere. Uh, it makes it, it makes for a lot of copycat work, and that might be really important to somebody. So I'm not trying to knock it, but it's only been out a couple years. Like I like seeing something 
like Batman animated series. I loved that back in when it came out in 92 or whatever. I was 12. Um, so it means more to me to post a good picture of that. Same with G.I. Joe or He-Man. Um, so yeah, I think once like every movie gets action figures now and you know, people want to go out and buy them, you're just getting the same shots. So yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Like checking ghosts. Like I want to see, like I post a lot of pictures of GI Joes because it makes me happy. And like you said, it reminds me of being a kid. Um, I think that lends itself better to making a cool toy shop than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that emotional connection to the toys, uh, brings out more of your creative side. At least it does for me. Um, as far as storytelling or some kind of, uh, uh, connection, uh, to your creativity from your childhood. For example, I did a shot of uh, an Action Masters uh, shockwave uh, a few weeks back over the summer, and it was actually my Action Master shockwave from my childhood, from 1990, that I that I had, and it has been uh, buried really in a box in the basement from in, in several different moves. Uh, right. For years, it's been uh, out of commission. I finally uh, plucked him out of there, freed him from his uh, catacombs, took him out home, and uh, shot. Yeah. Uh, got a shot of him and gave him some time to shine. And now he's permanently out. He's sitting on my display yeah. shelf. Yeah, it's challenging, I think. Um, one of the first things I did outside of G.I. Joe is like Marvel Legends. And some of that stuff does mean a lot to me. I grew up on X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. Love the X-Men. And they're, what, 5% maybe of what Marvel Legends puts out. I, I fell in the trap early on with the Build-A-Figure type stuff of having huge bins of action figures that meant nothing to me because mm-hmm. I was trying to make Build-A-Figure or whatever. Right. Um, I go through phases like that, and then I realize this is taking up space. I don't love it, and I'll sell it. Um, I sold all of my Marvel Legends outside of the ones that really matter to me. Um, X-Men. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That's kind of something I have with my kids. So even though that's new, there's at least a root there that's real. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I still sometimes will see a figure that I just love, and I don't know why. And I'll pick it up, and, and I'll be happy to shoot it, and I do. Um, I usually sell a figure afterwards. <laughs> I get tired of it easier. Um, I will say, like, usually those types of shots, I don't know if it's because the figure doesn't mean as much to me. I don't ever feel like they're as good. Um, I could go out and get that Pennywise figure I'm talking about today at my comic book store, but I don't know what to do with it now because yeah. it's already done. Um, I actually reached out to, to, to the toy company on that one um, because I did want to shoot it. I was excited about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to that it would blow up immediately because it's such a cool figure and i wanted to get it before everyone else did um and and kind of do what i wanted to do with it um and they they weren't able to give me a early copy of it and i still don't have one i don't know if i'll ever get it now honestly because i think it's been shot to death i don't know what i have yeah yeah i um I got a Donnie Darko figure. It's it's a taller figure. It's uh, the Frank the Rabbit one, and um, you know I love Donnie Darko. It's a it's it's. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies that came out, and 
Uh, not a lot of people saw it in the theater when it was out because it came out around 9-11, I believe, the week of. And I happened to have seen it. And uh, it's got some kind of uh, emotional connection to me. So I picked up that figure. And I've been meaning to shoot it for a while now. But there was a period of time where there were so many shots of that floating around Instagram, I just felt like it was just going to be another one of the shots kind of in the mix, in the noise. So I held back on it, and I still haven't found a good time to shoot it yet. Um, but I will sometime soon. Yeah. You know, and I just want to give it some time to breathe, I guess, on Instagram. And also, I, I want to come up with an idea that makes sense for the way I connect to that character so that I'm just not shooting a picture of a toy. I'm shooting something more substantial. Yeah, I don't think everybody thinks like we do, but I think, to me, it's important. I don't want to shoot something and feel like there might be four other shots like this tonight. You know what I right, mean? Like, right. I, like, I like trying to be original. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to do. I get that. So, all right, well, I wanted to do, before we wrap up, I wanted to do a quick lightning round. I have never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have a okay. piece of paper. And so for, like, one minute... I'm going to roll through some just random stuff. It's totally random. Some of it's toy-related, some of it's not. And uh, whatever comes into your head, just answer, and we'll see if this goes really poorly. I'll edit it all out. If not, I'll keep it in. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Here we go. Baroness or Scarlet? Baroness. Favorite food? Pizza. If If Serpentor offered you a hug, would you accept it? No. Favorite music genre? Rock and roll. All right, all right. Classic Rogue One or Episode 8? Rogue One. Worst food? Salmon patties. Mm. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at dodgeball? (laughs) 8. Oh, you're pretty good. All right. Are Ewoks cute? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. All right. Um... Uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. Okay. Favorite turtle? Donatello. Okay. Fill in the blank. Michael Bay is what? Misunderstood. Ooh, all right. Interesting. Okay, last couple. Marvel or DC? DC. Invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Okay. Last one. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? No, actually, I have not. All right, good. Good answer. <laughs> All right, that was a, it was a little rough, but you know, I figured I would just try something no, different. Fine. And I don't know if you can hear this, but literally while we were doing that, someone started drumming. There's there's a there's like a band across the street from my apartment and you had you had a soundtrack uh, to your to your answers there. So, hopefully that'll stop soon, but we're wrapping up anyway. So, was not planned. All right, cool. Well, before we go, why don't you let everyone know where they can find uh, Backyard Battles on social media? Yeah, so I'm not even really active on Twitter now. It's all Instagram for me. Uh, backyard Battles, uh, Backyard underscore Battles. That's that's it for me. Um, and I admin on GI Joe Nation. I do have Backyard B sides now, uh, which I'm trying to use more. Um, it's hard to find the time. Um, but that's that's another account that I'm trying to keep going right now. That's it. I'm all Instagram. Yeah, I think everybody should check out the 
the Backyard B-Sides on Instagram because it's, especially if you're interested to see someone's, um, another photographer's process or behind the scenes, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit on how someone composes a shot and sets up a scene and um, see shots that maybe you don't think turned out very well and explain why or other shots yeah. that didn't just make the cut for some other reason. But yeah, it's very interesting to see. Yeah. I'm trying to just, I like the dialogue, you know, on toy photography. Like I like people taking it more serious. Like, uh, hopefully did you see the post I did earlier today or I posted my first nine photos? Yes, I did. Yeah. My, mm-hmm. nine, yeah. Like, I think that's a cool idea. Like I like seeing people's progress. Um, and that's backyard B-sides. It's supposed to be more for things like that. Um, when I have the time, I really want to get more into the process. Uh, like you said, more than just shooting or posting the, the B-sides. It's just hard to find the time to be that in-depth with, with the craft. Right, right. It can, it can be tough sometimes to find the time. But, you know, over a course of a given amount of time, it's just a matter of, I guess, repetition um, yeah. Rinse and repeat. Just keep doing what you're doing, and you will learn and get better uh, over time. Naturally, I mean, you, if you do something long enough, um, naturally you will get better at it. Yeah, yeah. Just that's my. That's, I probably didn't say this when we were talking about advice, but that's pretty key. It's just if you like it, don't stop. You know, um, you will get better. You'll definitely get better, whether you realize you're getting better or not. You're getting better. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I couldn't say it better myself. Well, let's wrap it up, man. Uh, Thanks so much, Jason, for coming on. Uh, It's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the the podcast. Uh, I'm so glad we finally got this done, and I look forward to maybe having you on again in the future. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, sounds great, man. Thanks for having me. All right, well, that wraps up the fourth episode of Plastic Battles Radio, and the end of Season Zero is what I'm calling it here. Season Zero basically is 2018, I know this is 2019 now, but 2018's initial pilot run of the podcast. Um, You know, I learned a lot during the year. I had a lot of personal things going on that caused me not to publish as much as I wanted to, and... um, you know, issues with my apartment, noisy neighbors, things that you might have heard on my Instagram live videos. Um, and now that I've officially moved to uh, down the road from Columbus, Ohio to Cleveland and moved into a house, um, I'm not completely settled as of right now at this moment, but by, I would say, the next two weeks, I should be more settled in with an actual studio space set up microphone set up everything's set up the way i need it and um i'm hoping to get rolling sometime in february of 2019 with uh season one of plastic battles where the podcast will take on a little bit of a different vibe still focusing on creativity and photography around uh action figures and toys but also bringing in maybe a little bit of uh little bit of different elements that I've been cooking up over the last few months, and I'm excited uh, to get to it. I have a lot of things planned for 2019. Um, I feel like 2018, um, I did a few good things, but there's a lot of things kind of left on the table, so I'm excited to roll uh, right into 2019 and, and 
kind of start checking off things in my uh, mental checklist here. And um, one of them is I just revamped, kind of put a new uh, skin on my uh, website. So if you guys want to check it out, it's plasticbattles.net. You can check that out. I hope to uh, be publishing more uh, blog posts to the journal there. Um, I kind of revamped all my archives of photography, and um, I'll be posting episodes of the podcast there on its own episode page. You can drop me a line if you have ideas about the show, feedback, anything like that you'd like to see. Um, There's a link on the website to uh, contact me. You can send me um, uh, an email, and I'll uh, respond to you and, and let you know what I think. So, uh, yeah, until next time, guys, if you want to get a hold of me, you know where to find me on social media. It's Plastic Battles on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, of course, uh, through the website, plasticbattles.net. Yeah, or if you see me on the street, come say hi. All right, guys, until next time, uh, I'll see you later. Yo, Joe.